you'll turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Evangelist Billy Graham would uh, enjoy telling this story quite a bit. He would tell the story about being in North Carolina in one of the towns where he was doing crusades at night. And uh, during that time, um, he would, uh, during the day, he would look for running some errands and taking care of some things. He was looking for the post office because he needed to mail some letters. And uh, he was wandering around looking for the post office, couldn't find it, came across an adolescent young man and uh, said to him, can you tell me how to get to the post office? The young man told him how to get to the post office. Billy Graham said, well, thank you. And he said, by the way, if you come to the fairgrounds tonight, I'm going to be running the crusades and there I'll tell you how to get to heaven. And as the boy turned around, he said, no, thanks. You don't even know how to get to the post office. Have you ever been lost? I was lost, wandering around. I was lost in the woods one time. It was, it was uh, uh, really unnerving. Well, Jesus was wandering in the wilderness for 40 days, and we read of that in Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 1. But he was far from lost. Because we read in uh, verse 1 of chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, turned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And we'll stop there. Jesus was led around by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness, tempted. And Luke goes on to describe three of those temptations. I think leading up to the three that Luke describes, there was temptations all that time. I believe there was. And Jesus resisted those for us. The greatest hero ever retroactively won the battle against the temptation of the wandering Israelites, didn't he? For, uh, they wandered for 40 years and, and failed and failed and failed. But Jesus won against that for them, and he wins our wanderings. We wander around in this sin-cursed world, and he won the battle against our temptations in this sin-cursed world as well. During the time of testing, that's what Jesus did for us. And then, on his 40th day on earth, in his resurrected body, and don't lose the, uh, the symbolism there, the Israelites' 40 years of wilderness... Jesus was tempted for 40 days. And then for 40 days after his resurrection, he was on earth. And on the 40th day, on the 40th day, he came to his disciples and he said to them, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And he said in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He gave them their mission. We here at Providence Presbyterian Church take that on as our mission. And maybe you can finish my sentence. What is our mission? We exist to make... That's why we exist. And God has called us to there. I, I therefore submit to you that we must stay on mission by obeying the Great Commission. And we'll read together in uh, Luke chapter 4, 14 through 30. And we'll, we'll realize that we must be full of the Holy Spirit... We must keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and we must always trust the Heavenly Father. And see if you see that as well as we read together Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. 
And the news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was, praising, and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and was, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard that you had, that was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you, in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of a hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. But... Passing through their midst, he went his way. I pray, God, that we'll hear your word now. You know the frailties and the weakness of the one presenting. And I ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts, move in our hearts as we give our hearts to you in worship. And we would do and say and know what you want us to do and know about you. Would you bless God in Jesus' name? Amen. Luke 4.1, Jesus, Jesus says, I am, I am uh, trusting in the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. When he read this portion of Scripture, which is from Isaiah, it said that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And in, in Luke 4.14, it says he, he went into Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was showing us by example that we must be, we must be, in the Holy Spirit. We must be guided by the Holy Spirit. We must be led around by the Holy Spirit. In order to stay on mission, we must have the Holy Spirit. We must be full of the Holy Spirit. That would be point one. We must be full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is a great example of anything good in any life, in any uh, uh, time. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit in order to stay on mission. And if He needed to be full of the Spirit, we do as well. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're told, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If we, if we are going to be as witnesses, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Are you praying regularly for that? Are you praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to guide you, to lead you? Are you doing that in your personal worship, in your times when you have with, uh, uh, time with God? There's times when I would be talking to people, and I don't consider myself a counselor, but when people come to me and they talk to me and ask me for advice or, or talk to me and, and I wonder about how I'm going to pray with them or I visit them in the hospital or I, I visit them in, in uh, 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 their place of residence that is not their home anymore, or when I go and, and encourage people, when I try to visit with them on the telephone, I am praying in my head as I'm talking, Lord, give me the words because I can't have them on my own. I need to be full of you, Lord. Are you doing that? Can you do that? Would you do that? You can. Searching. Asking God, what do I do about these things? Holy Spirit, what do I do about these things? I'm in this situation now. How do I handle this? How do I look at this? How do I uh, uh, um, um, address these things? What do you want me to do? We as a church, if you remember, there was lots of times we were deciding all kinds of things as a congregation. and, And I remember Dr. Wood telling us one time, are you praying and asking God what he wants us to do? Are you doing that? Are you asking to be full of the Holy Spirit? In Luke 11.13, Luke 11.13, we read this. If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and and what Luke was telling them is how you uh, give to the Lord, how you uh, act and how you live for the Lord. And he says, if you can do that, if you can give, I mean, who would give his his child's, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, who wants an egg, who would give them a serpent? If you know how to do that, who are evil, in other words, you struggle with sin, you're not uh, perfect like God. If you know how to do that, he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It makes sense then to ask for the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you and to be doing that on a regular basis. In Mark one thirty-five. We read this about Jesus. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. And then we read in Luke 5, 16. But Jesus himself would often, often slip away to the wilderness to pray. Jesus is shown to be praying at least 38 times in the Gospels. Sometimes his prayer were interrupted by the disciples. Sometimes they were interrupted so that they would ask, teach us how to pray. Jesus was in prayer. Folks, if, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, if Jesus needed prayer for the Holy Spirit, then we, too, we do as well. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, we are commanded to how? pray how? Without ceasing. In other words, continually being in a spirit of prayer, always being ready to raise up prayers to the Holy Spirit, to to God in the Spirit, and and look for Him. How do I know it's in the Spirit? Look at Ephesians 6.18. Pray in the Spirit on how many occasions? All occasions, at all kinds of prayers and requests. This is how we continually seek the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus sought the Holy Spirit, we need to be looking for the Holy Spirit, to be looking to be full of the Holy Spirit in order to stay on mission What did Jesus use to counter Satan's temptations? When he was tempted in in, uh, 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 the uh, wilderness, what did he use? 
He used the Holy Spirit, yes, but, but what did he use to say, that, um, I, I, we shouldn't be doing this, I'm not going to be doing that. He used God's Word, right? Be praying in the Spirit, which is uh, point, uh, sub-point one, uh, how do we get the Holy Spirit? Be, be in prayer in, in the Spirit, and be using God's Word. Jesus used the scriptures to assist him in his temptations uh, that devil gave him. The devil gave him temptations you and I will never understand or never under, never feel. And he stood up under them. For you and for me, he beat those temptations. But as a man, Jesus was determined to know God's word as well. To know God's word independent. He wrote it as God, but he depended on it as man. And he learned to read it and, tr- and, and know it. He, uh, he knew it when, um, uh, when he was handed the uh, book of Isaiah, right? He knew where to look for what he wanted to preach about. He knew, uh, this is what I'll preach. He knew God's word. He used it to, in his battle against the temptations. In seeing how Jesus used God's word, who wrote it as the Son of God, we ought to also be using God's word in Romans 15:4. Why? How? There's these are only three three reasons. There's many reasons the, the the Bible tells us and and how and how and why to use God's word. But here in Romans 15:4, use it through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. You want to have hope? Get the encouragement of the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for what? Training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent and equipped in what kind of work? Every good work. You want to do good works? Know God's Word. Psalm 119, 105. Your lamp, he talks to God, your lamp is a light unto my feet. Uh, I'm sorry, a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. It's giving us guidance. Those are only three examples. You can look in God's Word to find how important God's Word is and are you knowing it? And that would be the uh, sub-point as well. Know God's Word. Are you getting into God's Word? Are you praying for the Spirit? Are you doing this on a daily basis to empower you against the temptations that the evil one brings to you? Jesus showed that he knew God's Word. And he trusted it. And did you also, uh, uh, as, as he read the minds of, uh, of the, his own hometown uh, crowd, as he read their minds and they were saying to, uh, uh, thinking uh, in their hearts, he said to you, oh, you, you'll quote to me the, the, what the, uh, a prophet said, when, I'm sorry, what a proverb, you'll quote to me a proverb and you'll quote to me, um, uh, uh, physician, heal thyself. In other words, you're here and, and we say, isn't that Joseph's son? How's he getting to tell us what to do? He grew up just like we did. He's the same kind of guy we are. And how do you get to speak so well? Isn't this Joseph's son? And some of you will say, physician, heal yourself. In other words, do something for us to prove who you say you are. Do something for us to prove you have the authority to do these things. They were looking for a miracle. They heard about him in Capernaum and they wanted to see what he can do. So they were looking for a performance. And he said, yeah, you'll say, physician, heal thyself. In other words, heal your reputation. Do something to show yourself to us. And then he goes on to tell them about Elijah and Elisha. And, and, he, and he used the Old Testament. He knew God's word, by the way, right? And he knew about how they uh, were used to do things not for God's people, 
But for the Gentiles, two of them, a widow and Naaman. And he was telling his hood, the people of his hood, he was telling them, uh, you, you are no better than the Gentiles. Oh, that didn't go over well. But he knew God's word in order to proclaim that. The third sub-point under point one, and we shouldn't gloss over this. Where was Jesus when this took place? He was in the synagogue. It's kind of foolish for me to tell you the Greek when Dr. Wood's in the house, but I'll try, and boy, I hope I'm right. The word synagogue... Uh, it means or, or is, is the Greek for synagogue means or, or is telling us to bring together, to gather together, to, to gather together for study and encouragement. That's the synagogue. Jesus was with God's people. He needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He needed to know God's word, the subpoints, and he gathered with God's people. We read that in Luke four fifteen and 16. Hey, if there was anybody in all the world that had the right to say, I don't need to go to church, wouldn't it have been Jesus? But he knew that he needed God's people. Yes, he's God, but as man, he knew he needed the fellow encouragement, the, the, the building up of one another, to be uh, encouraged in God's word. I, I'm not sure he, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm guessing he probably didn't speak at every synagogue he ever, ever attended, but I believe he looked for God's word, and he looked for the encouragement in the law that was read, and he grew in God. Pray in the Spirit. Know God's word and gather with God's people. Why? Well, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 tells us why. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it gives us this encouragement. It gives us this instruction. And let us consider how we may stimulate one another towards love and good deeds. That's what we're to do when we get together. Stimulate one another towards love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And how? All the more as you see the day drawing near, the day when God's going to call us home. Continue to encourage one another. It worked for Jesus and it works for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. What do we read in 1 Thessalonians 5.11? Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you also are are doing are you looking for ways to enhance your own spiritual growth you're looking for ways to grow in the Lord looking for ways to to continue your dependence on the Holy Spirit and know that and and enjoy your dependence on the Holy Spirit looking for ways that you can be used look for opportunities to assist here in in especially in areas where you excel or especially in areas where you're gifted it's funny how uh, sometimes I'll thank people for ministry they do here in the church and, and uh, hey, you, you really helped us out. Thanks for doing, oh, it was nothing. It wasn't that big a deal. You know, they may be right that it wasn't a big deal to them because it came easy to them. It became easy to them because they were only doing something with it, uh, in the, the realm of their giftedness. So yeah, it was easy. But wouldn't it be easy for somebody else? You want to find some way to get involved? Jesus did. Did you notice when he went to the synagogue? He stood to read. I'm getting involved. And he sat to preach. He sat to preach in order to, to, to be involved and to be used of the Holy Spirit. 
So gather with others and other believers and find ways where you can be, find opportunities where you can be used. That's uh, being led by the Holy Spirit. Some of you remember, point two, some of you remember that uh, for just a few days, for just a few days last summer, I was sporting a new look. When some of you asked me, what in the world happened? I would answer, well, softballs aren't soft. They aren't. I hate that they call them softballs. I was, uh, going, I was playing infield, going back for a fly ball, and, uh, and I did something that my dad told me not to do. He always told me, watch the ball into your glove. Watch the ball into your glove. And I was thinking about what I was going to do next with the ball, and, and I didn't watch it, and it tipped the glove, hit my right eye. Uh, so I kept my eye on the ball, but too literally. Jesus, the greatest example of anything good, kept his eye on completing the mission. And we need to keep our focus on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep focusing on him. In Mark chapter 4, starting at 16 and 17, we read how he was full of the Holy Spirit, and as was his custom, he went into the, into the uh, uh, synagogue on the Sabbath, and he took the book uh, that was handed to him, and he looked for the scripture in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, he only, uh, and, he, and he read this to them, and he read it because he wanted to tell them about who he was, and we read in uh, 17, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed. All those conditions, yes, are physical. And He met people with those physical uh, uh, um, uh, conditions that He had. But they are also spiritual conditions. Spiritually blind. Spiritually oppressed spiritually uh, taken advantage of, spiritually uh, uh, without uh, in, in the Lord, spiritually poor. And he wanted to address all those. That's his mission. And he was telling them, that's who I am. They were starting to pick it up. That's why they were looking for a miracle. You're telling us who you are. You're telling us you're the one called of God. You're telling us that the, the Holy Spirit is upon you. And in verse 18, uh, we read what he was going to do. All those conditions that he came to, to end, either here on earth or in glory. In verse 19, he said to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That has to do with the year of Jubilee, and that's another sermon another time, but it has to do with the fact that he is proclaiming the year of the Lord. Folks, we are in the year of the Lord. We are in the year of the, uh, the favorable year of the Lord. We are in that right now because he's talking about uh, the time between his first advent when he came as, as a baby and when he came and, and his, his, one of his greatest first acts of submission to the Father was, yes, Lord, I'll be Jesus for them. He always was and always will be the Son of God, but he became Jesus, born of a woman, and at the same time, God. And that's who died for us on the cross. That Savior. 
If you are here this morning or we're hearing the sound of my voice and for the first time you realize that's what Jesus did. He died for me on the cross and when he died he took all my sins and paid for them and then gave me his righteousness. If that for the first time you've heard that, I invite you to, to accept that and believe it for yourself. And if that is true of you, give us a call if you're online or, or let us know and come and visit with us and, and come and help us to, to uh, help you grow in the Lord. In God's providence, the book of Isaiah was handed to him and he found the place where he could tell them who he was and, and how he came to heal all these things. And the opportunity to be, uh, be the savior of his even those of his own hometown, to make disciples. And point two, I must keep my eyes on Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 2, we read this. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This, Jesus says, was his mission. And he's called us to fix our eyes on him. Isn't it something that uh, his own hometown had their eyes fixed on him, but they had their eyes fixed on him to scrutinize instead of of seeing who he is. But he asked us to fix our eyes on him, to be encouraged by him. In obedience, according to Luke 4, 1 through 13, Jesus kept his eyes on the prize, and that prize was to be what he described of himself uh, and when he read of the prophet Isaiah in our scripture reading, verse 18 and 19. Titus 2. In Titus 2, chapter 7 and 8. In Titus 2, chapter 7 and 8, we read how we can stay on mission and, and, and the, the, both the, 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 the reason to stay on, uh, on mission and the method to stay on mission despite going through uh, scrutiny like Jesus, well, not near like Jesus did, but scrutiny. And despite going through the rejection, uh, not a, none of us were thrown out of a synagogue. None of us were thrown out of our own hometown's church. Uh, and to, to put up with the humiliation, how humiliating that must have been for Jesus. How did he do that? And how can we put up with those kind of things that happen in our lives? In Titus 2, chapter seven, or verse 7, we read, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. In other words, what he was saying is, you stand up for the Lord, you do these things, you follow what Jesus does, keep your eyes on Jesus and follow that example, then you will be one who the opponent will have nothing truthful to hold against you. And that's what Jesus lived out for us. Being the fruit of the Spirit. Living out the fruit of the Spirit, which is for us in Galatians chapter 5, where we are to, what? You, some of you can quote it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is how you are to live. And when you live, you are keeping your eyes on Jesus. And then sub-point number two, when you do that, don't, I'm sorry, uh, um, point two, under, under point two, sub-point one, do not focus on opposition nor trials. Sometimes we focus on the opposition. We focus on the trials and we think how bad things are. And then we say, but there's God. 
Ah, that's it, but there's God. But sometimes we put it the other way around, don't we? I have God, but all these other things. Lois Rupert is listed as one of our homebound members. She's now 95. She's already outlived two of her three children. And she shared with me several times during our visits her desire to go home and be with the Lord. She doesn't want to be here anymore. At age 94, not too long ago, she was, um, in, she was hospitalized because of a fall and they had to check her out because of some head injuries and some rib injuries. And during that time, uh, she was released and then, and then during the transition, she met a young lady uh, who helped her transition from gurney to wheelchair and into her, her home at Senior Commons. And she struck up a conversation. And those of you who know Lois Rupert, you know she would. And as she was talking to her, she said, tell me, do you walk with the Lord? And amazingly, the, the young lady said, well, I used to, but I kind of walked away from him. And Lois snapped her head and said to the lady, you better run back to him. She stayed on mission. She was one who stayed on mission to make disciples, despite the things she was going through. Living with her eyes on the prize, and that's what Jesus did. We kind of had that as our theme for 2021. Here at Providence Presbyterian Church, with our, uh, that, that wasn't the theme, but uh, we were looking towards our home in heaven in the sermons. We were looking towards our heavenly home. And we were, we were also saying, as, as Pastor dubbed it, building God's kingdom while existing in this sin-cursed world, which sometimes could be considered man's kingdom. Building God's kingdom while we live in man's. This is where Jesus was in the synagogue. And this is where he wants us to be as well. In John 6, 38 through 40. John 6, 38 through 40. We read this of Jesus' mission. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. What an encouragement truth. What an encouraging truth to know that if we hold out and God uh, uh, has saved you, you will be raised up on the last day. Jesus kept his eyes on that prize. Subpoint B, live for Jesus' second advent. Live for Jesus' second advent. He's come in his first advent as Jesus, the, 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 the baby, and had grew up as a man and, and lived a perfect life in our place. And he's looking for his second advent. Not, not so much uh, to bring vengeance, but to end evil. And by the way, in Isaiah, uh, when Jesus read uh, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, he only read the first part of 2. And that was right up to where we are now, that first advent. The second part of verse 2 of Isaiah 6 that he didn't uh, speak about, uh, he didn't read or, or preach about, has to do with the vengeance of the Lord coming. Jesus chose to tell his hometown crowd, we're in that first advent. Advent. We're in this first time. We're in the favorable year of the Lord where you can trust in God and come to, come to uh, God and know God. And he trusted God fully, his heavenly Father. He lived for the second advent, which brings us to point three, trusting the heavenly Father. I must always trust the heavenly Father. Let me ask you a question. What would have been wrong if he would have done a miracle or two uh, in, in his uh, uh, neighborhood? What would have been wrong with that? 
Why couldn't he prove? Why wouldn't he want to prove that, yes, I am who uh, you've been hearing about, guys. I have grown up, I have come up out of you, and, and I am here. The same reason it was wrong for him to do a, a miracle uh, of turning uh, stone into bread or to jump off a, a, a high place and have the angels protect him for, G, uh, for Satan, it would be the same wrong. It was wrong for him to do that for his hometown crowd as well because he was doing it for himself or to please man. And he does things to please God. He does things to please God. And as Jesus, he continually trusted God through what he was going through, knowing full well how his sermon was going to be re- uh, um, uh, reacted to. He knew full well what was going to happen, and he, and he stuck on his mission. He stayed on it. And this is the way the Father ordained. I believe Jesus knew full well, and that's why he said, Physician, heal yourself. And I think he knew full well how Elijah and Elisha's application would be handled. But folks, he kept seeking the perfect wisdom of the Scripture reading that he read. And in this way, always trusted the Father. And yes, he learned to trust the Father, just as we are. As a man, he learned to trust the Heavenly Father. He knew the Father of all had this scenario uh, under control. And I think this part's so encouraging. The end of verse 3. I'm sorry, the end of point three. I think this part is so encouraging, so cool. Look how trustworthy the Heavenly Father was. In verse 30 of our scripture reading, we read this. But... But, passing through their midst, he went his way. So matter of fact, just subtle. It was a miracle. It really was. And it's interesting to me that the people wanted a miracle. They wanted Jesus to do something to prove himself. And they got a miracle, but it just wasn't the one they wanted. Can you picture it? They're all excited, all riled up. Would you hear what he said about us? He, he said, we're Gentiles. Are you kidding? Let's get them. Let's get, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's get them. Drive them out to this. And, and what they were going to do is well, oftentimes when you uh, put somebody in a position, like threw them off a cliff or put them in a corner or put them in a ditch, it was to stone them. They intended to kill Jesus. Come on, let's go, everybody. Let's Let's go, let's go, we'll show him. Where'd he go? It was a miracle. How did he do this? How did God do it? I taught this lesson in uh, children's worship uh, several months ago. And uh, I asked that, uh, that question of them, to the children in children's worship. How did God do it? What do you think he did? Well, the cloak of invisibility of uh, Harry Potter was mentioned. Hey, is it beyond God's ability to allow a cloak? Jesus had a cloak. It, it doesn't go against his, his character. Maybe, you know, uh, uh, the, the childlike faith that we should have. Ninja skills were also mentioned. You, you could probably guess which student brought that up. I don't know how Jesus was trained. Who knows? But I do know this. The reason we may not know how it was done is because God wants us to trust the deliverer more than the mode of deliverance. God wants us to trust the deliverer. I implore you, I implore you, Providence Presbyterian Church, keep trusting the Father. We know this, that later in Jesus' life, he was released here, he was, he was delivered here, but we know that later in his life, deliverance didn't come, did it? All the way to the cross. The tortures before the cross, the sufferings of the cross, and his last breath on the cross, deliverance didn't come. Not then. 
He had to go through all that terrible discomfort. And oftentimes we do as well. But deliverance will come, I assure you. Your deliverance will come. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your deliverance will come. It may not be on this earth, but it will be one day in our heavenly home when, that God gives us. Isaiah 61, 1-2, Jesus preached that and lived it out to them. In 1 Peter 1.6, 1 Peter, all of 1 Peter, uh, the apostle uh, is telling us how we can look forward to the glorious resurrection that we can look forward to one day, how perf- perf- perfectly permanent it will be, yet we read in, in 1 Peter 1.6, what do we read? In this you greatly rejoice, that we have that heavenly home one day, in this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, if necessary, You have been distressed by various trials. We live in a sin-cursed world. It's going to be taken away. Though we're citizens of heaven, we talked about this in our youth uh, Sunday school class, though we're citizens in heaven, we are temporary residents on earth. We don't have time today, this morning, but Psalm 37, 1 through 3, addresses how the wicked seem to get along well without any problems that we go through. They seem to just drift through. And, and the, the psalmist writes about those things, and, and, and he says, don't fret about those things. Don't fret about those things, because they're, they're here today and gone tomorrow. But, delight yourself, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you what? The desires of your heart. Sometimes we see how the wicked are going on and everything seems fine. They don't go through things like, well, why is that, Lord? Delight yourself in the Lord. If God didn't want things to happen to you, they wouldn't. If God wanted to stop those things, you could fully trust Him. He didn't want those things to happen. They wouldn't. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you what you should want. Verse uh, 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 Point one is... Uh, trust fully in God, and, and then want what God wants. What, what, want what God wants. Recently I asked 95-year-old Lois Rupert why she thinks she's still here. Why do you think you're still here? She has uh, fears of falls, and she has fallen. She has arthritis. She's missing loved ones. And I, why do you think the Lord still has you here? She said, I guess he has some more things for me to do. She's still on mission, just like Jesus was. He wants what God wants, and then he trusted to wait on God's timing. You know of some other folks? You probably know of some other folks who are wishing they were in glory now, but they're trusting God's timing. And that would be the last point. Be careful about your emotions. Fretting about those, that's what we read earlier, fretting about those who seem to be get, getting along fine or worrying about the situations you're in or worrying about how the Lord's going to handle things for you or, or, or uh, stress or tension or, or all those things. Let those emotions, folks, let those emotions point out that you are wanting something that God doesn't want you to have yet and or wanting it right now. And then what did Jesus do? We read it. He went on His way. I implore you to keep going on His way. In conclusion, and I appreciate you hanging with me. In conclusion, some of you um, may know um, a little about my father's last few months here on earth. 
he was diagnosed with psychotic dementia, which was made worse by post-traumatic stress syndrome. The, the reason that came about is we didn't know it, but he was abused as a child. We didn't know that. He was sexually abused as a child. It came out when dementia couldn't help him repress that. He tried to repress that. We didn't know it, but he tried to repress that. Nobody knew it. He didn't tell anybody. It was only between him and this terrible, terrible villain. When his dementia got such that he couldn't repress that anymore, somehow he mistaken my mother for the man that abused him as a child. And he attacked her. And he told her why. Actually thinking he's telling this guy why. Why would you do something like that? I'm just a boy. Why would you do that to me? And he was going to kill her. And he told her, I'm going to kill you. And through a miraculous event, and I can tell you about it sometime, uh, she wasn't killed, but he was admitted to the hospital. And then they called me after they admitted him because I was a durable power of attorney for them. And um, they, they called me and they told me, on the way from one room to another, your dad attacked another person. And we have to put restraints on him. So they had to put, take him to a home uh, which was fitted just for those situations. But because there weren't beds available near us, it was out uh, three and a half, four, four hours away. So oftentimes I had to call. And when he couldn't talk because he was too full of rage and angst, they would tell me. But when he could, I could talk with him. And we, it was always my uh, uh, custom that after we talked, I would pray. Dad, let's pray. Okay. So we would pray. And after we'd pray, we'd, we'd say, I love you. Goodbye. We'll see you. I'm taking care of mom. Everything's fine. We're going to help get this medicine. We're, we're going to work things out for you. And we'd hang up. The last time I was able to speak with him and he was able to converse with me, I did that very same thing. I said, Dad, let's pray. So we prayed. And after I prayed, I thought we were going to hang. And he started to pray. And in his prayer, he offered a salvific method of knowing Jesus. He offered a, a prayer that told how to accept Jesus as Savior. In his prayer. I loved it because it, was, it just reassured me that I'm going to see Dad again one day, no matter what happens. Because they told me uh, that uh, Ephesia and some of the other things that were happening in his body, uh, he's not going to be around long. But he prayed. And I, after we prayed, uh, uh, I said, I love you, Dad. Uh, you can just hang up. I'm sure the nurse will, will uh, uh, get, come get the phone because that's what they had to do when I would call. They'd take the phone to him when he was able to talk and the medicines were helping. And as soon as we hung up, as soon, I'm sorry, as soon as we said goodbye, she was on the phone again. And I realized, because he had hip restraints, she had to hold the phone to his ear. And she heard the gospel. I don't know all the ways God works. We have no idea how he saved Jesus through this and, and kept him to die the death he was supposed to die. A nurse held a phone. An attendant was encouraged to run back to Jesus. Maybe a member of a murderous crowd was uh, uh, looking to drive Jesus out of the temple and kill him. And then illogically he's gone. And they come to realize there must be something here. Will we see somebody in heaven? Is it possible because Jesus stayed on mission? Is it possible because you stayed on mission for the Lord that there will be people in heaven 
Because you touch somebody and that person touched them. And who knows what's going on in South Africa, the, the ministry that the woods do. Who knows? But I do know that great is our God. And that should motivate us to stay on mission. Be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. And always trust the Heavenly Father so that you stay on mission. Let's pray. Thank you again, our Father for allowing us to hear your word. And I pray that it truly was your word and that we understand you that much better. And God, that you motivate us to live on this sin-cursed world with our eyes toward the home that you have for us. We're citizens in heaven. Maybe only residents here, but we're citizens in heaven. Help us to remember that in Jesus' name. Amen.